Hello, my name is Reverend Jodie Stoll. Over the lockdown period, I was in one of the few million households who were required to shield because I live with someone who is clinically extremely vulnerable. On the 1st of August, the shielding programme ended or paused, but we were no less vulnerable. So we, along with those other millions of people, had to begin to figure out what it meant to live as a CEV household in a world where COVID-19 is here to stay. The way that I see the world and make sense of my faith in it is now fundamentally impacted by this experience. And so this is my podcast, Shielded. You're very welcome here. So welcome back to this podcast. Series two will be six weeks where there is a new podcast every Friday. And I'll be thinking about a few different topics around being vulnerable and inviting some friends to share their thoughts on these subjects too. So today we're thinking about the idea of resilience. Now, I wonder what response you have to that word, resilience. I must admit that I have begun to loathe it just a little bit. It's become a buzzword in lots of sectors and the church is no exception. I've heard far too many times the idea that if someone is struggling or exhibiting signs of stress, that the answer, the magical answer, is to tell them that they need to build their resilience. Unfortunately, it's become a way of abdicating responsibility for checking whether the structures and privileges around that person might be at all part of the problem. But I remember discovering this problem in using the language of resilience a long time ago, long before I was part of the somewhat strange world of being a priest. I had a friend who was experiencing some mental health issues and they had been told that they weren't resilient enough. Their response when we were chatting about it was that the difficulty was that they weren't built for the kind of experiences that had led to their struggles. They said, imagine if a beautifully crafted and built watch wasn't looked after in the way it had been designed for. It wasn't cleaned every day, it wasn't worn with care and wound properly so as to tell the correct time. Instead, it was laying on a table and smashed with a hammer. The watch would break, it might even be irreparable. We wouldn't blame the watch. We wouldn't say, oh, the watch wasn't resilient enough. We would say, Stop hammering the bloody watch. Now, hammers are great for getting nails into bits of wood, for example. But sometimes people feel hammered by the structures and circumstances around them. They might just about survive a couple of blows. But when they crack, is it the person's resilience we should focus on? Or the fact that the hammer or structure around them is not fit for this particular purpose. I remember listening to a Radio 4 programme called Words of Our Time, and they did a programme on resilience. And one of the things they said caught my attention, that we have used the concept of resilience to turn around where the blame lies when someone falls apart. That it used to be that if a friend 
came to us and said that something was really going wrong, that they were being treated badly at work or at home, they felt bad, that we would say to them, don't let the bastards get you down. Now people say, we need to build your resilience. One locates the problem entirely externally to the person. The other locates it entirely within the person. Now, the truth is that I don't think we should lose this idea of resilience. It is a good idea. It's just had a lot of bad application. As human beings, it's important to be self-reflective and self-aware to examine ourselves, to recognise the places where we are in need of building up and those places that are our sore spots. I need to know, especially as a priest, when I have an extreme reaction to something that someone does, that it may be that it is more to do with me than it is to do with them. Perhaps there's a bit of a shadow in my psyche that I need to pay attention to. And yes, If I do that, it may result in my resilience being built up. But that won't be about surviving an attack on that sore spot by unkind and unthinking people or structural thoughtlessness. It will be about my flourishing, becoming who God has made me to be and being shaped by the thing that has made me vulnerable for the better. Resilience, true resilience, is not about becoming desensitised or growing the thick skin and being in denial about our vulnerabilities. And so it's also important for us to challenge the people or structures that are hammering us or hammers doing the wrong job. So my guest today is Mark Hewardine. Mark is a priest in the Church of England in Manchester the city he's called home for most of his life. He supports churches in South Manchester to develop fresh expressions of church and innovative ways of connecting people beyond the church's walls. And so here's what he thinks about resilience. There's a danger when we talk about resilience that it becomes a way of us either beating ourselves up or perhaps judging other people or making them feel that they're not trying hard enough. Sometimes I've heard people talk about resilience almost as a way of glossing over the really difficult things in life and sometimes the unjust things in life too. If only you could be resilient, you'd deal with all this rubbish we're throwing at you. But thinking about resilience over the last few weeks has really helped me to take stock of where I'm up to in my faith um, and in this really difficult period of time. I had a little read about what uh, psychologists have discovered about resilience and a couple of things jumped out. Well, first of all, uh, one article said that people who are open to change and have a more positive outlook on life tend to display higher levels of resilience. Well, open to change. I think I am someone open to change, but actually change has been forced on us, whether we like it or not, in the last few months. So whether we like it or not, we've had to adapt, we've had to change, and I guess some of us have found that easier than others. But what about a positive outlook? Remaining positive in the last few months has been really, really hard. Without wanting to be too simplistic, there's some words which I've really missed because we've not been saying them in church very often, 
but which still resonate with me. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Even when everything around me might seem to be in flux or falling apart, I've tried to hold on to those words as a kind of anchor. But life's complicated. I read some more about resilience and I learned all about the need to constructively learn from and reappraise negative events in an adaptive manner. Well, psychological jargon aside, I started to mull that over. I found myself from time to time this year making a kind of inventory in my mind, or even on paper, of what I've had to overcome or managed to survive and work through this year, but also in my life. Sometimes that's been an inventory of awful things which I've somehow managed to get through and sometimes just challenges which I've overcome and grown through. Thinking about this again this week has taken me back to St Paul. We all know 1 Corinthians, and some of us have probably heard it read at a wedding from 1 Corinthians 13. But 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that's the book that has really helped me over the years. Because there Paul is brutally honest. He lists... Later on in the letter, all of the things he has had to endure, some of them at the hands of other people, some of them just what we'd call natural disasters or the circumstances of life. And I guess if I've learnt one thing about resilience this year, it's that to be resilient doesn't mean pretending everything's okay. It certainly doesn't mean faking it and only ever thinking about the positives. I guess I've found that resilience... Uh, relies on honesty. Honesty about everything we might have overcome and battled through. Honesty about just how rubbish things are. Because when we're honest about them, we can face up to them as they are, rather than just those awful simmering feelings and thoughts that never quite surface. When I turn to think about my role as a pastor or a priest of a church, I start to think about How might I enable other people to be resilient, not just by me chivying them along and telling them to look on the bright side? Actually, our worship is the place we can hopefully um, learn to face life in a way that will help us to overcome. Through expressing what's going on in life honestly and Many of you all have turned to the Psalms at different points in your life to express those things uh, honestly. Another factor which I believe is associated with people who show resilience in life is the notion of having a purpose in life. And at the moment, I think that's a really challenging thing to consider because so many people have had their purpose taken away from them, either because of loss of work or furloughing, the purpose they might have in caring for others who they cannot see now. And I experienced lockdown, the early weeks of it, as a kind of stripping back which was quite painful. And I tried to re-establish a sense of what my purpose was in that moment. And thanks to others, I I realised that actually my purpose was to pray and to enable other people to pray even if, and especially perhaps in, a simple way. 
just to develop a rhythm each day of prayer without lots of words within which people could sit with what's going on and be conscious that God was with them in that. Mm, A lot of wisdom there. And for me, especially thinking about how the COVID-19 world has impacted our sense of purpose and the stripping back of identity. The need to be especially kind to ourselves and to others in this time of trauma. When I was thinking about the Bible reading that most reflected this idea of resilience for me, it was actually a bit of a no-brainer. So here we have Isaiah chapter 41 verse 27 to chapter 42 verse 8. I first have declared it to Zion and I give to Jerusalem a herald of good tidings. But when I look, there is no one. Among these, there is no counsellor, who, when I ask, gives an answer. No, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their images are empty wind. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. This passage tells me that the Christian God, my God, (laughs) is a God of mercy and justice, of complete kindness, that God is not a hammer, that God is on the side of the stripped back and the raw and will lift up those who are bowed down. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Let others know about it and listen on Fridays for new episodes which you can get from Anchor or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, among other platforms. Go well into your day and may you come again soon to these doors. Mm